Welcome to Accountants Law Pod, where accounting professionals and law firms converge. Hosted by Linda Artisani, Sarah Prevost, and Stephen Lippart. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. And today we're going to talk about personal injury law firms and the differences of doing the work for them and things we should look out for, things that we're going to see, maybe some language we're going to see that's a little bit different than working with other law firms, starting off with the word contingency, as they probably want. If you've never heard that word, you're going to hear that one floating around a little bit and um, some best practices. So Sarah, what would you say if someone said to you, tell me one thing about a personal injury law firm that you really need to know as a bookkeeper starting to work at, work with that style of account, uh, uh, doing that kind of accounting for that type of firm? Just one. Just one. One leave some for Steve. <laughs> uh, well, I was watching a, a show the other day, and literally, uh, it was interesting because the the individual that was in the the legal office, the law firm's office, said, "I don't understand how much do I owe you?" And they're like, "No, when you get paid, we get paid. There's no risk." Was that a you. commercial? Was that a commercial? No, it was in an actual. <laughs> series a tv series oh and i sat there and i looked it was like oh that's that's interesting how uh how it was worded um and i'm sure it's kind of similar language that you hear because contingency is based on a contingent moment but there are some pieces in there that can get tricky and there are some standardizations and then i think the part that can get tricky is all the little types of cases what's mm-hmm. allowable per because there's a percentage of how much an attorney is going to receive like 33.33 percent however that can be negotiated down or if there's a sub other matter underneath of it that has a different so it's mm-hmm. knowing the styles and knowing how to ask the right questions i feel like is one of the hardest things about a contingency firm that it, when you first walk in the door it's like oh okay, it's just a 33.3% of whatever. No, it's not. <laughs> not always. So, um, Steve. What do you think, Steve? What do you, what do you think? For, I'm curious what you think. What would yeah. you give for advice to a bookkeeper just starting out that's never worked with a contingency type law firm? So um, first things that come to my mind are cash flow because <laughs> these, these cases, can take, they can take many years to yeah. reach settlement, the settlement stage and the firm is, fronting a lot of costs. And so mm-hmm. you need more guardrails around keeping track of client advanced costs yeah. on the balance sheet and tying those all back to the settlement that Sarah was talking about. So making sure that you, you they don't all know how to do their settlement sheets correct. I find a lot of errors in those. And so um, I train the clients on my personal injury firms to give me the settlement sheet before they do anything with the client. I think me... you just hit on it though, Steve. It's a settlement sheet. So meaning IE, it's outside of a software. It's Correct. probably an Excel sheet or probably. a Google sheet. Sometimes yeah. it's a Word doc, Sarah. So sometimes yeah, the sometimes... math doesn't work. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's some old type thing from, what is that word processing thing that they used to use years ago in law firms? <laughs> Remember, what was it called? Yeah. Word perfect. Word perfect, perfect. Thank you. It sometimes looks like mm-hmm. it came off of a word perfect document with the with the type of letter style, but yeah, mm-hmm. it doesn't always add up. And you really need to make sure. So most importantly, you're tracking the client advance costs or any costs involved in that. 
case or matter, they should be tagged to the matter because when the case does settle, if the law firm doesn't recoup all those expenses, guess where those expenses land? They land in the law firm's uh, expense category. It ends up being a billable expense unrecovered if it doesn't get billed back at the time of winning the matter. Because if they lose the matter too, I mean, then it all becomes their expense. So you want to talk to the lawyer. If you got this, if you got just got this client, you want to talk to the lawyer and say, Hey, Mr. or Ms. Attorney, I need to see what's the paperwork that you give your clients. So I understand exactly what you're agreeing to, because sometimes a lot of them we've worked with, the percentages are different. It's not just always standard 33.33. It's not. I sometimes it's 40, sometimes it's less. You might be looking at class actions. More times it's less, I'll be yeah. honest with you. And there sure. are other... That I, I, Steve, I don't know if you've experienced this. Linda and I don't experience this too much, but we've seen it. Sometimes it's a contingency matter, but there are funds in trust that need to be paid prior to settlement. Yes. Correct. For costs incurred. And that can be kind of that a That goes into the whole equation of it. And and what <laughs> what you really have to be careful with in working these settlements is that you as you know, the client wants their money right away. Settlement happens, they're like, where's my check? Within seconds. <laughs> the attorney quite often wants to give them the money right away. And you've got to slow it all down and put it all in perspective for them and say, hey, you've been working this for a year or two. Let's just make sure the math is right and keep you in line with this. And also, if there's if there's Medicare involved and Medicaid and those sorts of or things. Any liens, any liens. Or liens, a lot of those get negotiated. Uh -huh. And you want to make sure that check clears. So that check coming in, even if it comes from Geico, it mm -hmm. could it's get pulled back. Good. Right. Yeah. You have to make sure the funds are there. And a lot of jurisdictions, you actually have to look at the bar rules because there might be rules about how fast they have to turn that around. Uh, mm -hmm. California, I think, is one, right, Sarah, that they make them release the funds within a certain... They, you can't just hang on to it either. Like the attorney can't hang on to it and, and oh, they have, going back. They have yeah. rules. So you need to make sure that you follow the guidelines of the bar there as well. Yeah, yeah, but then the trust, yeah. I think this type of law is a good one to start off with if you start to learn about client advance costs and you're yeah. getting the trust after the fact. So there's not a lot of in and out, in and out trusts. So if you're just starting to learn trust accounting, it's in and then divvied out. Expenses come off the total first and then they divvy out the, the rest to the attorney gets their percentage and the client usually gets the balance. But mm -hmm. if you're mm -hmm. looking at that type of learning trust account, that's probably the easiest style to, to learn, but it also can be mm -hmm. so critical if it's not booked in right. And usually we get these clients that come to us and they might still have residual money in a trust account that never got divvied out for, there might be a reason. And the, the attorney will know the reason why that's still sitting in there, but you mm -hmm. want to make sure that you find out why. Because normally the money comes in, it gets dispersed and it's not hanging in there. Well, the key words, mm -hmm. and I think Steve was saying this, is a time of final settlement. Prior to that, though, you may have things, and we've seen this often, you may have things where it, the firm isn't really contingent, but the case style is contingent. Mm -hmm. So you might have things come through where the individual is getting a course of payments made to mm -hmm. them. And they're not um, cashing those checks for one, because they, in their minds, they want to cash it all in the one bucket. Yeah. Or, um, and Steve, uh, I think Linda and I have seen this, our, I know we've seen this ourselves, but Steve, in your experience, when 
when you have a situation where it, the firm may not be a contingent firm, but the case might be, do you find that there's often math, more high probability of mathematical errors because they've kind of done the math? They're doing it in a traditional model and they need to figure it out in a head. Exactly. And I like to I like to teach the attorneys to put us in the loop. They know that <laughs> they yes. know that settlement's coming. Give us the yeah. heads up and we can start looking at things to your point. There's all mm -hmm. these little weird math things that have gone on and mm -hmm. actions that have gone on and get a copy of the actual client agreement and look at it. And mm -hmm. look at the settlement that when it comes in and just get everybody to slow down. No, the attorney cannot loan money to the client until the funds the funds are dispersed and get paid back and all because they tried to do that. And yeah, they do that. You'll see cash app. Cash <laughs> Linda app. knows that. Cash app. Linda cash app. That. I'm like, what is this cash app? Oh, they really need the money and the case. Right. You did what? Yeah, you have to really. And then it could yeah. be a loan situation because it's so heavy in the client expense side. They could mm -hmm. get a loan from um, Advocate Capital. There was another one out there too that was a different style of There's loan. There's a few lenders that are specific yeah, that to do this. this. But then you have to track the loan by the matter because that's how the loan is divvied out. And when it gets well, it's a really case, it's paid off by yeah, the it's a case cost. It's yeah, and it's definitely expense. And then I think Linda, you brought this up when there's a lien moment so contingency and then it depends on if they if the case went somewhere else there's a lien from that firm to the other firm on behalf on on the client side or referral fees and or doctor their, yeah doctor yeah doctor bills yeah. physical therapy um using car accident or something like that those are and you could also get those uh, class action suits which require a separate bank account. Oh, so they've got so much money coming in that they have to put it all in because it's more than one person that's underneath the suit. And then they have to, it's required to do that. And then sometimes the states, because the interest is so good right now, the judges are making the the attorneys put this money into a, a bank account that's bearing interest until so that they all get that little piece of interest while it's happening, which we haven't seen too much in the past, but now the interest rate's like four or 5%. You're starting to see that this, the judges are mandating that 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 money goes there until it's ready to be dispersed, and so everybody gets a little piece of that. So just add that to the pile mm -hmm. of soup, bucket of soup that you're making. That you have to make sure this all works out. So attorneys do need you on this a lot of times. And we switch this conversation to software. A lot of times you get these attorneys and they don't have any software. What do I need software mm -hmm. for? No real trust. I can hear it. <laughs> have we not heard that? Um, it's not really trust. I don't need the software, do I? Um, yeah, you kind of do. You want well, all these expenses, which now Clio has uh, personal injury as a module that you can, mm -hmm. purchase, which is really cool because they know, brilliant. The it, they know yeah. the importance of tracking the expense side and for the law firm, it's critical. So there's a good reason why you want to track that there and it's new. So well, not just that software, but there are times where you have multiple payouts. Yes. Right. So you you're uh, the you have to break the the fee up into multiple. Uh, maybe it's a split fee type of contingency, and it, there's multiple. You have the W nines and ten ninety nines, and yeah, I was just going to oh. say you got the. But yeah, so ten ninety nines adds a whole another layer of complexity to it because some of those ten ninety nines might have to go into the medical box that you got to send it out. So that's and something so you have to consider. Right up front, train your paralegals, train your office people, train your attorney. You do not 
pay out one advanced mm-hmm. cost to anybody <laughs> until you have a signed W-9 in hand, whether you'll ever use it or not, right. whether they'll ever qualify for a 1099 or meet that $600 threshold or whatever, get in the practice of getting those W-9s right away oh, because cool. you might hire that expert witness for 10 cases in the future. You yeah. don't know it today, but it might happen this year. You don't know. You've got to you've got to set them up to think that way about their business or they can get into trouble so easy. Well, your physicians and and all of these little nuances that go on for that too, it, it to your point, it depends. Like you have to read through the 1099 oh my God. rules oh my to understand. And I to the firm owners out there, um, the attorneys it's better suited to get it up front than deal with the back end. It later, it's yeah. it's expensive that, for us do to do that? the work. What do we call that? No, <laughs> no, what? No, no, you say no ticky, no tacky. <laughs> you don't give me the paperwork. You're not going to get the money. And She's I like learned this. that from construction days, because a lot of times the subcontractors would come in, do the job, and then they flat out disappear. And if you hadn't have filled that paperwork out. Mechanically, yeah. Yep, yeah. you're not going to get them. Then you got to do zero. Yeah, it's it's you know zero social or whatever. But you really have to make sure that you track that stuff for them to keep them on. You want to keep them in compliance, which is a big part of our job. So those are the important. well. It's it depends too. Just to be fair, not every accounting person that's offering accounting services has to doesn't. do this, and nor do they. A lot of tax people are backing away from it because it doesn't. Yes. It's just too complex. It's too laborsome. And you don't so make any money on it either, right? Steve's, yeah. yeah, it's a loss leader. But to Steve's point, as a um, law firm owner, it is in your best interest to get it trained right. Consult with people if you have questions. Like, yeah. Pay a consult fee and we'll tell you. Um, but it, it is does not behoove you to be on the other end of it because it's not cheap. But it's a big part of the body of work that we do for personal injury attorneys. So, well, And, you know, the personal injury attorney will come back to us and say, Dr. Jones says, why do I have to fill out a W-9? And mm-hmm. I'm exempt and I'm, I'm just not going to fill it out. And you just, you hold your ground with them. You just say, well, fine, you shouldn't be afraid to fill this out then. We just need it as a record in case we're ever audited. And mm-hmm. we'll take a look at it. And lo and behold, you get the W-9 and find out he should get one or not. Or, you yep. know, mm-hmm. so it, you're just protecting the client and you're saving everybody, including yourself, tons of headaches at your end with these personal injury cases. So if you train them that way up front, I love it when they finally get it and the paralegal calls and says, I want to send this check out. I don't have a W-9. And, and I tell them, you know what my answer is? No, don't send that money until you get it. And lo and behold, the next week I get a copy of the yeah. W-9. So so ideally in my, in my perfect world, this whole 1099 crap would be <laughs> not something we have to deal with and that there'd be another means of because there's so many exemptions, right? So not, yeah. it's so confusing. The IRS, this is something that just needs to be overhauled, in my opinion. But we, it is in what it is. Meantime, you just, do have a lot of exposure and personal injury yeah. on the Certainly you do. do. And we've had people in the law lab tell us that their client just said, I don't want to do those. Get and that in writing. Ask, what do we do? Yep. Get Let's that in writing. Them. Get it in writing. If they're telling you that they absolutely don't want to go through the It's on the phone. Together, send an email back. Get it in writing confirming. from the client. Because mm-hmm. that protects yeah. you because it's really part of, and it shouldn't really be part of our work. You have, you should have it in your contract too, that it, you are going to do it. And it is a separate fee. body. It should yeah. be spelled right out. Like there's a setup fee of $500 and it's 25 or $50 per form. 
you know, that way they've, they've got it. And there is sometimes where we sit there scratching our heads going, this person, should they get it? Or shouldn't they get it? I mean, it's just, you read the directions. I mean, I told you, I tried to write, I gave it some, I gave chat GPT a very hard task <laughs> of writing a blog post for me using the language on the 1099 specific to an attorney. And I gave it this big, long directions and I wrote an article and I'm looking at it. Well, that's wrong. And this is the exact reason if chat GPT can't understand how that's written in the, in the language in the IRS's own guidelines, that tells you how, uh, how foggy that area is. It's very murky when you're trying to understand it. And you, mm-hmm. sometimes I'm reading it out loud. Sarah's reading it back to me. We're trying to like, well, do you think this would fall underneath this, you know, All right, so let's, let's look at this. I'm an expert witness and you've hired me on your personal injury case, Mr. Attorney, Miss Attorney. And, um, I'm billing you $5,000 for my expert witness fees. And you also have to pay for lunch and parking. Okay. <laughs> you know where I'm going, Sarah. Let's talk about, I want to ask a couple questions. First one, and then I'm going to ask the second one. How are you posting this on the books? Well, you're making me pay you lunch and parking, so I don't care. You're, that's your fee to me, and I'm going to charge. I'm going to put that all on there. That you, you're going to track the lunch and parking on your end because you're the one spending the money on the lunch and parking, not me. Some so people, what? though. I know some, some people, people break it out. Well, no, some recipients want it broken oh, out. Yeah. So what that what that means is, um, sure, we're going to pay you this, but. On your side, you it is not a deduction right. to you. You've incurred it and you've passed those fees on to us. That is not on your business. But then you don't have regard. a receipt, Sarah. You have no receipt to prove you paid the parking or the lunch. You can. You it doesn't. I have to have thing. that. You would want a copy of it. It would be like reimbursing an employee. I would right? separate the payments. The then. recipient needs to have it broken up accordingly on their set of books. That's their problem. If that's mm-hmm. how you want to do it, it's no different in legal than it is in any other type of profession that where backs. they told me they would tell you yeah. well, well i had to buy paint and i shouldn't have the paint included in what i charged you for doing the painting well i didn't buy the paint you bought the paint you have a company well or income it, you know what i mean but if you're charging me as the painter for the paint and you're deducting the paint see they want to deduct it two two times no you don't get to deduct it twice if you're paying that may not be everyone's situation but I've in that, that regard i've had that happen i, 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 I know you have with that from our experience mm-hmm. it's actually i i it, yeah but to to what steve's getting at this expert witness mm-hmm. and those expenses now that's a that's not too often i see that steve to be honest with you okay, um, question number two Oh, here okay. he comes. He's got something up on the internet. I can tell the see the reflection in his glasses. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't wear my glasses today. No, I'm kidding. Anna, the attorney. No. <laughs> Personal injury case. <laughs> Personal injury case. Uh-huh. I am a contract paralegal. I'm going to charge you $5,000 for my services, but then... On your behalf, I go out and file a motion and there's an expense there. And then mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's all these 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 different expenses that are going on. How are you booking it on the books? What am I responsible for on 1099 in that scenario? Are you referring to case costs associated directly with the, yes, the, ma'am. the, the, the paralegals mm-hmm. on behalf of? And they're buying it on for the firm? That's very yep. that's right. And, but, I mean, that's a client expense pass-through. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So at the at, at the end of the day, the firm has now spent 
with me $5,200. $200 are case-related expenses and $5,000 is my fee for contract labor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would pay you separately. One is a reimbursement and I want the receipts because I need them for the, the case. And then I would pay you the 5000 as your contracted fee, but I would want to pay the expenses. And that's separately. what goes on the 1099, right? Mm-hmm. The $5,000. Yes. Because now, I'm getting the expenses. I'm being, I'm being devil's advocate here for people to learn because I've mm-hmm. seen this happen on a few occasions mm-hmm. with firms where you have somebody in the firm doing their own books. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they're following up. Yeah. And they've posted the whole expense, five thousand two hundred dollars to contract labor, and that's what's going to go out on the the ten ninety nine because you can't in that case because exactly. you're not going to poop it. You can't. And I want to caution everybody on that to be careful in training your law firms about keeping documents and attaching them in QuickBooks to the mm-hmm. transactions and all that, so that on January third, on a Sunday afternoon at five o'clock, when you're going, why am I doing? these damn 1099s and you're mm-hmm. trying to break it up and figure out or did you say January 3rd or did you mean the 31st? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. It's not that you can't or you can. I think that what happens here in that scenario is it's the person receiving that 1099. Uh, you have to validate it back. Mm-hmm. If you see that it's inclusive of expenses, you can request a, a change to actively reflect it and or you're picking it up on your side with the active reflection of exactly what was happening. The confusing thing is, is though, it's that kind of like you're being, your income is being validated back to this document, which all the more reason goes back to the whole thing of why, like the practice that you brought up, Linda, you'd want to do these separate, no matter what, whether you're paying for meals or not, no matter what, you'd want some sort of separation or delineation of those details. and backup copies of the of the receipt so i if any contractor was to say to me hey you're going to pay for my meal well okay well first off where is it in the contract that says that i pay for that i pay for services i don't pay for your time meal parking is understandable that Mm -hmm. can be passed through as a cost Mm -hmm. um but things like that to you to your point or client costs so those subcontractor agreements or those contractor agreements that are from the law firm to the individual who's providing the service also needs to be clear. And I think that's the best time to have the mandate of a W-9 on file because no payment will be served Mm -hmm. until that. It needs to flip a bit, but it's also, it's the ownership on the other side. If you're receiving a 1099 uh, from an individual and it's the wrong amount, I've seen it before. I've had people come back and say, hey, that's not the right amount. I I find out somebody put a double payment in. Okay. or, or something, that, uh, something went awry. I mean, we've seen it all um, in that regard. So you have to be really, really careful. And then on top train. of I'm mm-hmm. sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say on top of that. About this. It's... <laughs> yeah, I, so I'm with you. We've had this uh, in, in, in um, other types of firms too, not just contingency, sure, sure. Um, where other types of services, you have a house cleaner that has to go in because the assets need to be because something happened and that particular asset needs to be sold and it goes back to the trust account okay <laughs> so what happens there other types of services outside of expert witnesses and those you have to put a very big lens on it's like a micro business mm-hmm. that you're going to do this on this body of work on and i often i will go to a tax um somebody who has taken the 
the required CPEs for the year and mm-hmm. specifically on the 1099. And I'll ask these questions. And sometimes it's just a deer in headlights of understanding because to Linda's point, this is not an easy face to plan. This is a hard field to plan. So yeah. if you're going to intimately know how to help service law firms, you have to also allow yourself the opportunity to say, I'm either going to know this or I'm not. And if I don't know this, how do I want to get here? Or I'm going to be in the in-between, but I'm going to learn. And you're going to put that caveat. This is you and I together. The ownership, the onus is on the firm owner, no matter what. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And so with that said, you go through that exercise of of training them on getting the W-9s ahead, irregardless of what, just on everything. Then number mm-hmm. two, um, sporadically throughout the year, taking a look, just pulling out your vendor reports and looking and see how much has been spent per vendor and seeing, you know, double, just do a spot inventory of, is, are the W-9s there? You know, get the client mm-hmm. back in the loop again. And then at year end, ha- very important, and this ties into what you were just talking about, Sarah, Mm-hmm. Have, uh, the final step is because the the buck stops with the the owner of the firm, the attorney. They've got to sign off on it. Yes, I am sending a W nine to Sarah Prevost for three thousand two hundred and ten dollars and forty eight cents. Done, and you get their signature on that because mm-hmm. later on, to your point, mm-hmm. when they challenge the W nine and there's an error and they threaten you with the IRS or or you have to do a correction or whatever, you've got yeah. the trick. You've got the trail. Yeah. That's the most yeah. important for sure. Yeah, I know it's, it's not easy. And I know we're talking about uh, <laughs> contingency law firms, but it sounds this crazy. This is huge with them. Focused on a 1099 segment, but it is. Yeah, I, I fully agree with both of you. So in, Linda, I'm curious, prior to our deep dive together and having gone through this, I remember you were like, no, I don't, I don't really handle this. I, you know, you had other you know, people assist you. Mm-hmm. But now that you've gone down this road with me and watched me through agony every January, every January, yes. What do you, what do you feel um, from your perception? Because you, I don't think you had that as deep of a dive with until That's a I really good one. I'm glad you brought that up. What yeah, you oh, talking about the, like just the process. You're the 1099s. Yeah, from from the standpoint of now knowing what you know, having us work together. What is it, your thought on it? It is so freaking complicated. <laughs> and every year, I, I really think we have to make sure that we, and I know this isn't a show on 1099s, and I'm sure we have one of those coming up, but it's a process. And every year when we do it, I think that you have to kind of do it throughout the year to get it done right. And like we were talking before, we started to record getting the right mm-hmm. language and getting it all in place so that I, every year I say to myself, we can't let this happen to Sarah again because she does it all on that track 1099 thing. And um, you know, I do I do a handful of my own clients, but I do them around QuickBooks payroll and I just do them in into it. But they're nothing like the ones that we have together, these bigger firms that are super complex. And the process is just terrible. And to stay on top of it during the year. And that was what I love about Keeper is that whole process of 1099 collection. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times you just get your head down, you get working, the admins get working, and then nobody really thinks about the 1099s until January. And then it's the mad rush to get them where we've got everybody calling and people get snippy. They don't want to bother with you. They're like, ah, I'm, 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 like that's last year. I don't want to talk about it. And every year I think we got to make this better because it always lands in your lap where you're up to 11, 1130 at night, finalizing some of these. And that's mm-hmm. the thing that yeah. I don't like about this system. And I don't the know. Process, I, hope yeah. you, 
I'm hoping that we have a better process this year, but I hope this every year. And so far, what do we five mm-hmm. years running now? We haven't really perfected a process. Um, last year, well, was because all, we don't change the rules at the end of the year, too. They were going to well, and, one thing, and then they the pulled rules. that out. So that didn't help. And then and the rules are different here, too, yeah, Linda. And uh, again, everybody yeah. about it, because every year I have to be reminded of it. I have to remember like which things go on what form. Now they've separated the forms. So they get the NEC, then you've got the miscellaneous and there's mm-hmm. different reasons for different forms. And I think that that's part of it. And because we only do this annually, yeah. and if we're, even if we're not looking at it during the year, it just becomes a big project. And then it becomes a pain in the neck project because not only are we dealing with that in January, we're dealing with, well, it's January. Let's get our books done. And that's the other problem that we run into with clients mm-hmm. is that Janu- last year, especially after the pandemic, everybody wanted their books done on time. Everybody was pushing. When did pushing. they get filed? When did they get They didn't filed? get filed on time. The, none of the tax people, they all put them on extension, but the clients pushed us to get that done in February. And we got them all done. Sweat equity, weekends, killing ourselves, only to find out in August or September, it was like, well, I need this or that. What do you mean you need this or that? Can you do your tax return? No. That's why they never answer the question about we need the tax return to tie the books to tax. That's why you never answer that question because you hadn't filed them. It was, I guess it was okay that the tax person didn't file them on time, but it was us that had to get them ready to get them ready in case, which never happened. And that was super annoying last year that every one of them got pushed out. The other thing on the changes, there's been some more changes. So I'd encourage everyone to and they make changes. I, I, they'll make changes late. They made changes late last year. Really? There is a, a big change on um, electronic filing versus paper filing. No more are the days that you can send in. No more to, typing. No, well, you know, two thousand papers in, of ten ninety nines and all those. You can't do that. You or not two thousand, uh-huh. but you know, you get my point. Yes. The a bulk amount. It has to be electronically sent if it's over. I think 10, and that includes W-2s. So. Who um, still does it that way, though? Seriously. Well. Law firms. (laughs) You know, unfortunately, a lot of law firms. I'm going to keep my mouth shut because we know a few. But you are not permitted to um, send in the the paper form is the way that they want the electronic form. And that includes your W-2. So if if you're a firm of three. And you have more than seven 1099s to send in. Yep. They you have not to be accepted. You have to do the electronic. We do not want to do them electronically anyway. Because it's oh, oh, there's correct. Because of of the, they think the cost is cheaper to print them. But it here's the here's the misnomer of the entire thing. Yeah, it, you could push a button to push them in, right? But are you the person on the back end doing all the extra prep work? Yeah. To get it there to the finish line it's not just pushing the button no way no. Near. and you know into its no. payroll it, it's included but if you don't have it and you want to do it through them the pricing it like up to the seventh of the month is way cheaper per form than it is at the end of the month or past the end of the month you file the most plan. most are like that so, any software so the fact that we're producing them for you there is a fee that's incurred to any firm uh, it doesn't us. matter what software you use. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, uh, regardless of software, yep. there is a cost for the that unless you're using. Um, and I don't know if it's if it's Which available. Which goes back but, to to the IRS system. 
which goes back to sorry, we have to have it in your contract. If you're working with these attorneys, no matter what practice area, not just this personal injury, which is even harder to do, you yeah. really have to have it that as a separated item. Do, Trust do me. you know, isn't the IRS <laughs> going to do a platform for the 1099s at some point? That you'll be able to type it in like they used to do with the W-2s. They had it there. Oh, not, no, not, not typing them in a portal on their site for oh. submission. Um, I don't know. I thought I read that. I don't know if that's available yet or if that will be available. Anyways, I digress, but that's something I'm. Oh, I want to, I want to, I want to grab the two of you and bring us back over to contingency personal injury. Okay. The attorney receives a 1099 for the client's settlement. Go, oh, Steve, go, this go. is really mean. This is not, this is not <laughs> talking 1099s. He's talking about the big settlement. So the whole settlement goes to, the client, the client gets a 1099 from, let's just say Geico again, sends that 1099 <laughs> to the client, to the client for the whole thing. And he actually, he or she actually took their piece, paid their expenses and took their piece. And then part of it went to the, to the law firm's client. So they still have to send a 1099 to the law firm client for their piece, right? Mm hmm I'm talking so, about the attorney receives a 1099 for the entire settlement because that's where it went. Yep. Be disbursed. But then the attorney has to give one out for the other, the part that they gave out. Yep. So and that's always, that's always, that's well, always not, not a always. tricky situation. Well, yeah. if it happens at the end of the year, it could not be. No, it's not always that a 1099 goes out type of settlement does not deem, not every settlement. I'm just saying that no, they got correct. one. They got it. What do you do? Yeah. What have you done? Have you not had that happen where they, they have one and they're really pissed off because they got this gigantic thing and I didn't get to keep all this money? Have you had that conversation, Steve? Uh -huh. Right? So, mm -hmm. so sometimes yeah, we've had there's it. unraveling there that has to be done. Yeah, we've had it. Uh, and then you get the joint check situation too, where they send it out with the joint check. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So these are all things with personal injury and contingency cases that if you're doing your homework up front and setting the stage for success early in the year and throughout the year, mm -hmm. you can minimize the year-end nightmares tremendously. And the old theory and is on, when in doubt, send it out. Exactly. Yeah, but I'm curious on Which the receiving bad. side of that, in your experience, Steve, what have you, how have you handled that? receiving 1099 if it's inaccurate because it's for the full settlement you have to but go back to settlement, the, if the full settlement landed in that bank account though if they did get all that money but then they divvied it out does it make a difference if part of that money went out and you've already now sent out a 1099 for the piece that you didn't get well no linda think about it not every settlement for your client is a 1099 moment true True. So how do you justify right. what I don't have received? the answer here. This is why wages, I reimbursed wages would be on a W-2. That's a small so, portion. That's a yeah. small portion. Think about it. But the so IRS isn't reading 1099s on a business, are they? I mean, I guess they are, but they're that would be included in your, I am not even gonna even would be including your revenue. They're really looking at your numbers that you file on a tax return as your how revenue. are we explaining this to our contingency lawyer? <sighs> That's the question. It, it's not so much to me, it, it, and we've had this come up in a conversation. We have had this conversation. <laughs> so 
just because the insurance is providing that 1099 in full, now it just needs validation back to what was earned and the difference. And I think there has to be an explanation. The other interesting thing too is I have seen, right or wrong, a 1099K on a trust account. Yep. You have to explain that because that's not earned money. Uh-uh. That's other people's money. So are we, and it's just a loaded question, are mm-hmm. we kicking the can down the road to the tax preparer? Are we training we, our we client? Can't. Are we? They're not going to handle, they're not going to do anything with that. Right, right. Yeah, I think it's a joint thing, Steve, because it, kicking it down the road, we still need do, the tax yeah. individuals, ultimately, to, to Linda's point, regardless of you receiving a 1099 or not, money earned is money earned. That mm-hmm. should be in your financial statement. Um, you might have discrepancies of when it was earned, cash versus accrual, but money earned, money earned. The thing that I think is really important is we need some guidance on how do you handle that when you've got too much in 1099 funds, technically, More that are not your funds. Those are not your funds. You only earned a portion, a 33.3% portion, let's say, on those. So in that case, is it appropriate to go ahead and file the tax return based on the real numbers out of your books? Have your copy of the 1099. The IRS gets their copy of the 1099 and you handle it if the red flag comes up. That's a tax thing. That I, mm-hmm. The, the, tax the whole last part. These are all valid things said. that happen to our contingency clients. Totally. Yes, totally. these are. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's squeamish feeling. And they're going to ask us. Now you just scared every listener away from working with a personal injury attorney. Now they're like, they started out, oh, this sounds good. And then all of a sudden you just kind of rip the rug out from underneath them, Steve. Yeah, yeah. but this is real. This is real. And it's something you have to think about. And it's all in setting up your systems and processes throughout the year. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'll beat this one to death, but. We can do that on a 1099 show. Yeah. Probably the most most listened to show ever because it's the most popular one that we do multiple times during the year with the law lab because it's everybody's like, oh, this 1099 stuff. Let's tie all this together now then. So if you're going to work with contingency or uh, personal injury attorneys Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. you're going to know that you're going to work with more cash flow issues, the client cost issues the cashing the checks too early um, mm-hmm. before they're real, the funds are really good, you know, making sure the settlement math is done correct, being aware of items that are going to be negotiated down like Medicare, Medicaid, all those sorts of things. If you're going to do this kind of work for attorneys, it can be very rewarding. And it, monetarily for you and your business as an accounting person, don't undercharge your services here. Know that that you really are worth all of this extra work and this extra set of eyes and these guardrails that you're putting up for safety on and protecting your client. And I'm staying quiet because I want to run away. The cash flow, the cash flow part of this, Steve, is very hard to calculate as opposed to any other type of practice area because you look for patterns and things like that. There's no patterns. Mm -hmm. Really have to have a clear channel of communication with the attorneys. They know when these things are starting to settle. And quite frankly, if it's insurance, a lot of these settle. Like the more more of them right. settle, not a good PI firm will have systems in place to try to settle them quick with a fast mm-hmm. negotiation with an insurance company if they see that something that can be settled fast. Good so points. 
when the economy goes down, you might see more mm-hmm. injuries. So that actually their work goes up. Um, mm-hmm. really pretty recession proof. Yeah, you really yeah. need to talk yeah. to the attorney to understand their cash flow. And if they do do see them coming into a windfall, jump all over that because prior to that, you might be robbing Peter to pay Paul to do the payroll. And then now mm-hmm. you're going to be sitting there going, hey, let's have a chat about you just got all this money in. Let's not wipe it out as a distribution. Let's put some money in the rainy day fund for, say, six months exactly. so that you're not doing this. You know, right. you taxable income, but yet you do you want to like hold our breath that we can pay the employees? No. Mm-hmm. So let's start mm-hmm. to put some things in place. It's a really great opportunity to have cash flow conversation, but yeah. um, to have you need to have that full understanding of how the firm works and what they've got outstanding, which the attorneys will know what's out there. They'll know when they're aging out and when things are going to probably settle and they have a good feeling if they've been doing it for a while. They have a really good grasp on when these cases are going to come, but they also might have to put their own funds in, which is another thing you're going to have to deal with if they end up having to put money in to keep the firm operating. For those attorneys that are listening out there and for those bookkeepers and accountants that are listening out there, um, Mm -hmm. if you have a scenario where you have a brand new personal injury law firm, that first settlement that comes in really coach them, to your point, Linda. Mm -hmm. Set aside $500,000 out of this settlement. Set aside $200,000 out of the next one. Build up that cash so that you've got it there for the rainy day. Um, Well, the hard costs, the hard costs, you advancing so much. You advance exactly. so much money and you have to track that so meticulously and it's not easy yeah. and, and things get missed. Yep. <laughs> if you're looking at a new file like that, you want to make sure you take a look at how that's set up from the past bookkeeper when you're doing the pricing on a cleanup. Cause yep. that is one of those areas that you'd be like, did this get expensed already in the books? Yeah. <laughs> We've seen that. Look at and how number two, along with, the, along with the cash flow subject steve's favorite subject of kpis when yes. you're working when you're working mm-hmm. with this type of firm you've got a lot of moving targets yes and, and so you know one year their labor cost might be this the next year it might be that it's it's there's a lot more variables involved in working with this type of firm but if you can yeah. hone in on the cash flow that solves a lot of those problems and a lot of the other things fall into place what yeah. do you think chester chester <laughs> do you have an opinion you can look at them <laughs> Hi, Chester. This is a good conversation. This is a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. Thank you. This was great. You. Well, we credit we're to obviously you. passionate about this topic. We are. No. We are. <laughs> All right, Kiara. Take us away. To support the Accountants Law Pod, please take a moment to drop us a like, share this episode with your colleagues, and subscribe to this podcast on YouTube or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribing to the podcast helps us all because you'll never miss an episode. If you have questions, topic requests, or guest suggestions, you can email us at info at accountantslawpod.com or send us a message through our website, accountantslawpod.com. To join us in the Accountants Law Lab, which meets every Friday and discusses topics just like this one, visit our website at accountantslawlab.com to sign up. I think Chester's going to take a nap because he's getting a belly rub. So I know. <laughs> and he, he can hear Tiara's voice. It's very he can hear her, yes. Yeah. Thank you, you Tiara. So, oh, he's so cute. <laughs> so on that Thank note, you. we all hope you have a wonderful week and we'll see you all next week. Thank you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.